Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm Tony, and today is episode 98 of the podcast. I get to sit down with uh, pastor, speaker, and advocate Jeff Henderson. Jeff is an incredible storyteller and speaker, and he talks all about his strategy for. That's right, for, F-O-R. What does it mean to be for a community? What does it mean to be for something, for what you believe, and how that changes everything? I know that you're going to love this episode with Jeff. He is uh, a tremendous visionary when it comes to this idea about how to be an advocate for your community. So, hey, do me a favor. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, I love to use Overcast. It's one of my favorite. Subscribe, share this podcast with a friend. Maybe there's somebody who who you want to partner with to be for your community. Shoot them a copy of this. Shoot them the link. It really does help get the word out. And finally, uh, review this podcast. We always love to read your thoughts. Those reviews make a huge difference on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, We are so thankful for you. And uh, if Jeff drops some nuggets that you definitely want to pick back up, don't forget you can always get your full transcripts, the full podcast transcripts at reclamationpodcast.com, reclamationpodcast.com. Also, we've got some special things happening over on our Instagram page at TWMilt. As we approach episode 100, we're going to be doing some giveaways, some bonus episodes, all the wonderful things, some big announcements coming up, big announcements with the podcast. So make sure that you follow us, Instagram at TWMilt, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, sign up, reclamationpodcast.com. Now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Jeff Henderson. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's an absolute honor to get to spend time with you this morning. Tony, good to see you, man. I'm honored to be here. You guys are the church that are for the schools, right? That's who y'all are, right? That's right. That's right. We uh, we're for Centerville, and we're for Centerville schools, right? And and that that is so much because of your message. So, thank you. I appreciate it so much. That's one of the many, many reasons I'm honored to be here. So, thanks for having me. Now it's it's so it's interesting. I um, was on Instagram last night, as I often am, kind of just mindlessly scrolling, and I saw a post with you tagged in it from your friend. Uh, Carrie Newhoff, who said that you can tell a lot about a person by the way they put their grocery cart back. And I thought, I get to talk to Jeff Henderson tomorrow. That's the first question I want to ask him. Tell me about that story and why that that matters. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I have no idea how that started. Well, I do. I, I, it's been years, but I think I mentioned it in a podcast or something, but I don't know. I think Carrie and I were talking about character. I'm like, well, here's a, here's a sign. You can tell uh, the character of someone, but whether or not they actually take the grocery cart back to where it's supposed to belong, or they just, you know, take it to the car and then just leave it for the, for other people to, and I don't know, he posted that and then it just kind of went viral. And then that was like, I don't know, five or so years ago. <laughs> he posted. Now it's impressive for Carrie because he's in Toronto where it's freezing. And I, that picture, <laughs> I didn't see it. it looked, it just made me cold looking at, of course, you know, we're in the South. So, uh, so yeah, that was funny, but yeah, that's, I, that's just kind of a running joke that of all the things I've tried to say in the world, that seems to be the one thing that's sticking. So (laughs) it is always interesting to me how little things like that go so far, but I, you know, I think it, it holds one of those truths to it, right. That it's just, if you're faithful in the little things, you know, you know, that's out there. Well, I'm concerned. I wonder if people see that quote, whoever this Jeff Henderson guy is, he seems pretty judgmental. 
So uh, that <laughs> certainly wasn't my uh, certainly wasn't, wasn't my goal. But yeah, that was funny last night. Like this thing continues. I loved it. I loved it. And and uh, you you've had some major life change over the last uh, well since September really. And um, your kind of career has been super interesting to get to know a little bit. And and you recently left Gwinnett Church to start a, a brand new organization called the Four Company. And and I always like to start with um, this kind of question around this idea is, is how did you know that it was the right time to make a career transition? Because if I look at your like your portfolio, you've worked for some pretty rock star companies, uh, Chick-fil-A, the Atlanta Braves, Gwinnett Church. I mean, in, in Christian circles, that's like an all-star lineup. That's like Murderer's Row, you know? <laughs> I've never heard you described that way, Tony, but that's that's cool. <laughs> how, how do you know when it's time to with time to make a move? How how did you and and your wife come to that that period? And how do you know it's it's a, a God calling versus just you know COVID, <laughs> right? Or what you ate the night before, right? Right, hundred percent. Right. Well, I'm really I'm really careful to not to overlay my story to anyone's story and say this is what you should do because I think it's important to know your wiring. And part of my wiring is a starter. I like to start things. I'm, I'm fascinated with ideas. I want to solve big problems in the world. And it seems like I have a seven to eight to nine year, you know, run. And then I'm kind of on to the, on the next thing. But at the same time, I think it's really, really helpful to apply some principles to big decisions like this. You know, not a lot of people are leaving a, a certain job to start a company in the middle of a global pandemic. But at the same time, if you allow fear to dictate your decisions, then fear becomes your God and fear is a terrible God to have in life. So you've got to balance not being afraid with an abundance of wisdom. And the scriptures are clear that with many advisors, you you can succeed in decisions and and plans fail for lack of advisors. So um, really for us, the journey was about a year and a half. We saw empty nesting coming for us uh, Mm. in the spring of 2020. And I meet with a personal advisory board, uh, just four guys that I've been traveling with for 17 years. These are older guys. Uh, I kid these guys. I tell them I want to grow up to be like them someday. And they began to ask me, hey, what do you think this empty empty nesting season is going to look like for you and Wendy? Because she's going to be able to travel a lot more with you if you go speak. And, And that really began a journey for us to go, God, what do you want? And one of the things they asked us to do is to pay attention to what the Lord was doing. And then as we looked up and saw the, so many churches like your great church leveraging for, we thought, wow, is there a way to maybe step out of the lead pastor role on a day-to-day basis and be a pastor to pastors Mm. and what I'm doing today? Because um, here's, here's the thing that people may not know about you and me, Tony, Uh, we need pastors to, you know, pastors, Pastors are real people. Sometimes people don't, uh, <laughs> maybe uh, it's the clerical, you know, uh, clothing sometimes for some people, but uh, we're real people. So I thought, what if I became a pastor to pastor in this pastors in this new season and just encouraged pastors and maybe created some, some resources that I could provide them that has worked for us. And at the same time, because of my business background and because of how well the four book was doing, I really wrote it as a business book. I began to see that, you know, business people need to understand purpose as well. And so uh, this time last year, I went on a 24 city business breakfast tour talking primarily to business leaders 
And it was just phenomenal in terms of the response. So that began a long journey. We thought we would transition out of the church in May to start the full company, which really serves organizations by two questions. What do you want to be known for and what are you known for? And trying to make sure that the answers to those two questions match. Uh, that's true for churches, businesses. It's actually true for people as well. And But when COVID hit, we extended our, our, our runway until um, September. Stepped down in September, took October off to kind of decompress a little bit. And then we've hit the ground running in November. And it's it's been incredible. I mean, it's just, um, I know that we're, as I mentioned, we're in a global pandemic, but um, the opportunities to serve uh, businesses and churches have just really started to explode. And, and that's a really good thing. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I'm curious, um, you, you know, as I have read the book and, and kind of uh, we've, we've gone on this journey here at Restoration, uh, it, it feels so simple, but yet it, um, it's not something that came naturally to me as a, as a leader to, to articulate. What, where did the genesis for this idea about being for and, and what you're known for? How did that, how did that come into your life and, and how, how have you seen it? Uh, how have you developed it? Mm-hmm. Totally agree with you, Tony. It's simple. But as Steve Jobs says, uh, said, simple wins. Yeah, I think simple is not easy. There's Mm -hmm. a difference between those two. And I I do believe in church world, sometimes we complicate the message by trying to make it, quote unquote, deep. Um, deep, We complicate it. So simple wins in any business, I believe. Uh, My friend Donna Miller says, if you confuse, you lose. Keep Mm -hmm. the message simple. And I really was challenged uh, a few years ago by a mentor of mine. When I, would, when I told him I was so, as you mentioned, so blessed, I didn't describe it as murderer's row, but been blessed to work with some, some great organizations, Chick-fil-A, a multi-billion dollar organization, and North Point Ministries. Uh, it was named recently as the largest church in America. I don't know if that's true or even if that's important. But the point I say, the reason I say that is two thriving organizations in the business space and nonprofit space. And I thought, wow, how blessed am I? And he said, well, you are, but you also have a stewardship responsibility. What did you learn from those organizations? What, what did you learn, especially about, about what caused them to grow? And what could you share with the rest of us? And if you could put it in a book and particularly half a piece of paper, that would be great. And so, <laughs> which is quite the challenge. As I reflected on this, it really kind of came down to these two questions that I've been traveling with for years now, uh, but I've never really communicated it beyond Gwinnett Church, if you will. And that's, what do you want to be known for? Again, to your point, point, Tony, very simple. But when I go work with organizations, one of the things I do is I pass out pieces of paper for the leadership team and I ask them to write down what they think the answer to that question is. Then I gather the questions and I read them. And more often than not, you get all these different kinds of answers. And if there's confusion in the office space, there's going to be confusion in the marketplace about what your organization wants to be known for. And it can't be a 17-paragraph mission statement that we went on a retreat three years ago, and it's a filing cabinet somewhere. It's got to be really simple so that everyone can rally around it. And that's what you uniquely bring to your community and what you're uniquely about. But the second question is probably the most challenging one, and that is, what are you known for? And that's not your question to answer. It is the customers or the people who attend your church or the people who are part of your organization that, that are, you know, as your customers or attenders. It's their reflection back to you on whether or not you are delivering on your brand promise in question number one. But the reason these two questions are important 
is when the answers to these two questions match. When what you want to be known for is what you're known for, you create a sales force for free. You leverage the most powerful form of advertising a business, a church planter, a nonprofit leader can ever have. And that's positive word of mouth advertising. And I saw that at Chick-fil-A. I saw that at North Point. And then when we started Gwinnett Church, that's how we kind of came up with this whole Ford movement with launching Ford Gwinnett. And it just rallied people around what we were trying to do. And it created vision carriers that carried our vision into the community and into their circles of influence. And so when a church can understand how to close the gap between those two questions or a business, um, that's one of the ways they grow. Yeah. Why do you think there's such a disconnect between the two, right? Like I I think most leaders would say that they want to be, you know, they they want the connection and yet most of us don't really have it or we struggle. Is that, is that because we overcomplicate the message? Is it because we, we, we get too much in the weeds around the message? What would you say as you've now worked with hundreds of businesses and churches, Why is there such a big disconnect for what you want to be known for and what you're actually known for? Well, let's pick on business. Let's pick on businesses since we're pastors. We won't pick on us pastors. Okay. So if, (laughs) and the same is true for, for uh, for pastors, but um, if a business was a person, many businesses would be, would be considered narcissists because the most important goal of the business is to stay in business, right? The most important goal is the self-sustaining mission of any organization. And while that's understandable, what happens over time is you begin to drift away from the people that you're actually trying to be for and trying to serve. And you have what I call insider-itis. You look at the business from the insider's point of view. So let me give you uh, an example from my former life in the quick service restaurant industry. Uh, When I was working, one of the things I did at Chick-fil-A was I worked individually with operators to develop marketing plans to grow their business. And around lunch, I would ask the operator to come out and stand in front of the counter with me to Mm -hmm. see the business from the customer's perspective. And they say they would say, Jeff, this sounds like something somebody from the corporate office would do. We don't we got to be in the back because this is our busiest time of the day. I said, totally understand that. I'm not asking you to do this every day, but I am asking you to do this rather frequently because if not, you're only going to see the business from the from behind the counter. And that's a dangerous place to be. And then you start to make decisions on what I call producer logic versus consumer logic. What's easier for the business versus what's better for the customer. And over time, the, the self-sustaining um, mission begins to grow. And you begin to be more for the business than for the customer. So... What you have to do is understand that if you're going to shrink the gap between those two questions, you have to authentically be for four groups of people. You have to be for the customer and attender. Um, and sometimes you have to choose what's best for the customer and attender over what's best for the organization. You have to be for the team. You have to be for the community. What are you bringing that's making the community a better place? And then you need to be for yourself, for your leader to make sure that you're running the business, but the business isn't running you. And to have systems in place to make sure that you're genuinely and authentically for those four groups of people, because those four groups of people are actually the ones that are going to talk about your business. And I think, um, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, I wanted to give businesses and organizations specific strategies that would allow them to ensure that they're not falling victim to insider-itis 
And, and to give me an example, I, and this is true for churches too, but I ask businesses to go on their Instagram page and count the last 10 posts and how many are about the business and how many are about the customer or the community they are trying to serve. And, and that's why I tell many businesses that they're not in social media. They're not doing social media. And they, they lose their minds and they I can show you my Instagram page, <laughs> my Facebook page. I said, no, you're doing digital media. You're forgetting the social and social media. And the reason you're forgetting it is because you're the most important entity. And when the customer is the most important entity, you begin to have a dialogue with them. That's the power of social media. So we have to fall. We have to make sure we're not falling prey to the the, um, the danger of insideritis. How do we cure it? Right. So like, let's say that you've got it, maybe even as an individual. I, I mean, I think if if we challenge some of the listeners to go back and look at their last 10 Instagram or Facebook posts and uh, you could see how much people are commenting on uh, their political persuasion or what they think should happen next or, you know, there's a lot of opinions being shared. Um, it, it would be easy to probably diagnose a lot of us with insideritis. How do we battle back against that as as both individuals and as leaders of companies? I think it's an off, it's a genuine question in the sense of are you truly for your customers? Do you truly mm. care about them? And it's it's a heart issue. It's uh, what's the ethos? And that's what I tell churches and businesses. If you want to do four, you're going to have to have a four ethos. And what I mean by that is you are others focused, and you you see your customers. And, and that's what I love what Andy Stanley says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You may not be able to comment on every Instagram post as an organization, but you can comment on one today. You can say, hey, I see you. And from let's just talk about marketing. The old school marketing approach was to shout at customers and say, look at us, look at us, right. invade your life. And, and that's still happening today. You, you still have the five second YouTube ads, right? I know you sure. do this, but I'm going to interrupt what you're trying to see to get to that. I mean, that still has some value, but fortunately, I think for all of us, that is the, the law of diminishing returns is happening in that kind of interruptive marketing, which says, look at us. The more engaging, the more effective and the new school marketing is we see you. So it's not about us. It's we see you and we see what you're doing out there. And when an organization tells its customers, we see you and we're cheering you on and there's no, there's not necessarily a business connection. Like, why are they doing this? I mean, that's why I love what you're doing with the Centerville schools. And I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder, but what y'all do to, to, to basically have a, a tab at Starbucks. And if they show the Centerville school ID, they get a free coffee on you. And I love it because they're walking away and they're thinking, why do they do this? What, what, what's in it for them to be for Centerville schools? That's a really great question for any organization uh, to have asked about them. And, and I guarantee you that is a valuable, valuable resource for your church to be showing your community with no strings attached. It'd be one thing if like, here's your coffee and here's a flyer, you know, right. you know, um, and, you know, maybe there are times you need to do that. But I love this. Why are they doing this? This generosity makes no sense at all. Wow. And that's what I've told our, you know, I told our team at Gwinnett Church, we want to deliver wow. We want people to go, wow, wow they are, they are, they're really for me. 
And that's why on our Instagram feed at Gwinnett Church, we featured businesses a lot while I was there. And businesses would say, hey, do, do you want us to put flyers about your church in our, you know, our stores? And we would say, no, we just want you to run a great business because if you run a great business and you hire people in our community, it's going to make our community better. And we're for Gwinnett and we're for you. That's all you need to do. And people are just floored by that. So the opportunity to be a breakthrough church, a breakthrough business, the good news is, I mean, the, the bad news is it takes a little extra effort. The sure. good news is it doesn't take an extraordinary effort, nor does it need to have an extraordinary um, you know, uh, idea that no one has ever thought of. Um, but I'm telling you, what y'all are doing at Starbucks for your community, people are talking about. And do you, you know this, but how rare is it when people actually say positive things about organizations? So and good, rare. <laughs> you and I know this is pastor Tony. <laughs> how rare is it when people say positive things about the, the, the church? So so that that's just great. But I think we have to genuinely ask the question, do I care about the people I'm serving? Do I care about my community? And how can my organization rally around my community and encourage them today? Well, it's, it's interesting. In the midst of the pandemic, one of the, the questions that our staff team has been asking is, how can we be for the community? How can we be for Centerville schools? And, um, and you know, we're always kind of wrestling with that. And and what happened is, is the schools, because they have a much bigger facilities than we do, they have, you know, obviously lots of, they had to shut down a lot of their gyms and spaces. And so now four nights a week, we've got dancers coming into our church to use the the church basement, socially distanced with masks, all the appropriate stuff. It, it might be the best ministry that we're doing and nobody on my staff team has anything to do with it other than just give them a key and remind them of the social distancing policies. And it's, it's, it's crazy to think about how many people are being influenced by something that is really only requiring us a little bit more effort. And that janitorially speaking, like, it's not even like it's, it's, it's great. And it, you know, we're not doing a ton here anyway with our normal Bible studies and things like that because of the restrictions. But uh, for these students, I think it makes all the difference in the world. And, and I just don't know that we would have ever thought about it had we not been, had we not already decided that we were going to be for the schools. That's so good. And I think it's an answer to the question, you know, this is, this is true in business world, but it's really a, a raging question right now in church world, which is, which is better, digital or physical, right? Because we all pivot to digital, you know, when this thing hit. Um, and I don't think that's the right question. Um, I think the better question or the better strategy is it's not digital, it's not physical, it's local. And digital and physical can serve the local. So should you be on digital? Yeah. I mean, there's don't deny technology. Is it maybe better to, to be in person? I per- personally believe being in person is, is better. Sure. But at the same time, both can serve the local. And what I mean by that is what you're doing by having dancers come in and use your facility and and you connect that with, oh, this is why we are, this is how we are for our community. And when we launched Ford Gwinnett, one of the questions I got was, how are we going to know, you know, what are we doing here? How are we going to know if this is working? And what does Ford Gwinnett mean? And again, this may be just part of my wiring, but I said, well, I've got some thoughts. And obviously the problem we're trying to solve, I think, was really clear. And that is many people are more familiar with what the church is against 
rather than what the church is for. We want to be known for who and what we're for. But at the same time, let's discover, let's go on a journey together and let's figure out what for Gwinnett means. Mm. A great thing, Tony, that I love about what you and others are doing for Centerville might look a little bit different than what for Gwinnett is just based on the demographics as well. It should. Right. But the heart and the ethos um, is about is, is around it as well. And then with business, it's a little bit of slight. I mean, the, the principles are still the same, but kind of the messaging is a little bit different, but in the business world, and you see this in marketing demographics play out. This is, I mean, this is why I'm, I'm so excited about this message because it's now more relevant than ever. But when it comes to the business world, it's no longer about being the best company in the world. It's about being the best company for the world. And the younger you go in marketing demographics, the younger uh, folks are saying, if you're not doing anything to help make our community better, we're not going to do business with you. And, and just being able to articulate what your mission and vision is. And again, if the goal is to stay in business, if that's your ultimate goal is to stay in business, you won't, at least not in the future. Yeah. You talk a little bit about that with the, the Truett, uh, Truett Cathy's strategy and his kind of principle about growing people versus growing the business. What, what, what do you think the trend is? Um, I mean, what, why do you think the next generation is so dialed in on, on this idea of, of being for something or developing or, you know, giving back? Why do you think we're swinging that way? I'm, I'm super interested on your thoughts on that. Well, I can just give you my opinion on that. I don't have any, sure. that, but I do wonder if they have seen their parents uh, burn through a lot of material stuff and realize maybe there's nothing there substantially mm-hmm. as much as we thought. And maybe giving my life to material success without an impact is not a good trade. And I, I think there's a, you don't have to pick or choose. That's why I tell business leaders, hey, I want you to make as much profit as you possibly can. I just want you to grow purpose and profit at the same time. Because if you, if you have a compelling purpose and that drives your profit, the more profit you have, the more purpose you have. And the more purpose you have, the more profit you'll have. They, they grow, they grow each other. And that's why I want businesses to grow in our community because we just get better when they get better. And I, uh, I but I, I tell business leaders, you got to make sure that there is a compelling purpose awaiting your team at the office, because if not, they're going to be disengaged. And the, the, the cost of work, force labor of disengaged employees is astronomical. And so for me, I, I, I feel like that the, um, the idea, like you, you mentioned about Truett, that, you know, what I discovered with him is that he was more interested in the business growing people than people growing the business. But that's how the business grew. He knew that if he could grow people holistically, that would flow to the business and he would have great people who are growing and that would flow to the business. Because uh, if you have any sustained business that is growing over any length of time, not a flash in the pan, but sustainable growth, what you will discover is there are people there that are growing as well. Mm. That's so good. Um, w- one of my favorite chapters in the book is the, the For You chapter. And uh, one of the, the first things you kind of start off with as you, you, you kick that chapter off is about being inspired. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think, you know, 
this is this conversation is going to air in early January of 2021 and people are thinking about their their new year's resolutions they're thinking about what's next they're thinking about putting 2020 behind them obviously um h- how do you as an entrepreneur and then as a leader, how do you encourage and remain inspired yourself? And and what does that look like for someone who, who maybe is feeling a little flat or like they're in a rut? If somebody's feeling that way, good grief. Uh, welcome to the you know, human race. Right. <laughs> train wreck. Right. So if people are skipping through 2020, I might ask them, are you, are you maybe have a little bit of a reality check, right? Sure. Uh, but I do know that at the end of the day, one of my main gifts that I can give to the people that are in my life is to fight to remain inspired, to be uh, the best version of me I possibly can be. And 2020 was very difficult on that for us. My concern about 2021, quite honestly, I heard a friend say, can't wait to count down 2020 to get out of this year that I can get to 2021 as if 2021 will be completely different, at least the first quarter, right? And so I'm a little concerned that we might be setting ourselves up for more anxiety and depression if we begin to realize the first quarter or so of 2021 might not be much different. Um, So you have to ask yourself, what can you control and what you can't control? And what you can control is your fight to remain inspired. And there are, and I, I list several ways to do that in the book. But one of the one of the ways for me is to ask big, is just to ask big of people and ask them, hey, will you? Can I interview you? Can I come? Like I wrote Warren Buffett a letter one time, the richest man in the world, and said, hey, I read your autobiography and I really enjoyed it. Can I come out to Omaha and and ask you three questions? And I'm not going to ask you for money, even though I'm a pastor. And I got a, <laughs> I got a letter back from Warren Buffett that said, you know, dear Jeff, no. Uh, <laughs> but I'm probably the only one on the podcast who actually has a letter from Warren Buffett, right? And the, the only reason was is because I, I asked. And so I want to ask big of people and go, hey, can I, mm. can you do this? And, but to do that, I have to fight through all the no's because I'm going to get, if I ask more, I'm going to get more no's, but I am going to get some yeses. And I put in the book, this, this story of going to Pixar, um, and I just love that story because I just asked them, hey, my, we're, our, my family's coming out to celebrate my daughter's high school graduation. Can we get a private tour of Pixar? Because we grew up listening to, uh, sorry about that. We grew up listening to or watching Pixar movies. And I got a letter back this, or phone call back that said, yeah, that sounds good. And so we got a private tour of Pixar. And so again, in, in that, I have a picture at home reminding me keep asking big. So as you go into 2021, one of the best ways that you can be for people is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. You know, it's the old analogy. It's, it's, it's a worn old analogy, but it's really true that if the plane's going down and the oxygen mask come down first, breathe in yourself and then put it to the person next to you. And again, the best thing I can give my organization and the people I'm trying to serve is to bring my very best and to be the best version of me. That means I got to get enough sleep, Sleep is so underrated. Um, I got to take care of myself mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that's not selfish. That's actually, it's actually a gift to the people in your life. Well, I love that. One of the things that we say around here a lot is that if you aren't uh, dedicated to your disciplines, you'll be destroyed by your distractions. That's great. 
And so I'm, I'm curious, what are some of the disciplines uh, now as the, the CEO and founder of the four company, um, uh, what are some of your disciplines that you have to do um, uh, in regularity to, to make sure that you're the best that you can be? Uh, you said sleep and, um, and physical fitness, I'm, I'm sure is part of it. W- what are some of your, your spiritual disciplines or your rhythms that, that help keep you healthy? Mm-hmm. For me, I, I'm, and I'll put this in the book as well, a great day begins the night before. Mm. And I just firmly believe in that. And so one of my habits, in fact, this might be my primary habit in 2021, is to just spend a few minutes writing down what are the three wins I want to accomplish tomorrow and then write them down from a time stamp. So it could be I want to work out at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning and here's what I'm going to do. Research after research has said that if you will do that and write that down with a specific time the night before, it greatly reduces the uh, likelihood that you'll actually get up and do it versus just going to bed with good intentions and setting an alarm that you hit snooze on for 15 minutes. Sure. A great day begins the night before. So that's one of the specific habits for me. A principle for me in these days is a biblical principle, which is do not despise the days of humble beginnings. Mm. And so I've gone from being the lead pastor of two locations, um, being able to serve thousands of people with a staff of 55 to little old me, you know, starting all over again. But I love that verse because it says that God and God loves to see the work get started. And so I can't, I can't, I, I can't despise the days of humble beginnings. And I've been here before and I've done this before, but it doesn't get, you know, there's still the grief of what you walked away from. Uh, and then, processing that with uh, with my wife has been great. And then especially in these days, um, there are no there are no decisions right now that I'm making that I don't run by my my wife at some point. At some point, you know, this this thing will start to scale and you know we'll have to bring other people in and all that kind of stuff. But right now I'm like, should I what what should I charge for this thing? And um, I got this idea with this person. What do you think about that? And everything's being run through her. Because I want the, I want us to go on this journey together. I don't sure. want six months from now going, hey, I made this financial decision that I probably should have told you about from the very beginning, and now I got to clean up the mess. So I want to make sure that she and I are walking step in, you know, each step along the way, and then ask the question: Am I enjoying this? Mm. Am I, you know, I'm getting a lot of different opportunities, which is a, bl- a blessing. But there's some opportunities I'm like, I don't know that I'm good at that. Um, I don't know. I went to speak at something at, in Florida a couple weeks ago, and I got three job offers afterwards, which was so flattering. But I mean, I'm not looking for, a, <laughs> but right. but he, but it was it was a cool thing to go. No, I don't think I want to. I don't want to do that um, because you know I'm in my 50s now, and I I'm by no means retiring. But I want to be able to have a quality of life that work is not consuming it 24 um, seven. I don't want to do that and. I've heard this thing that when you start something, you've got to, you know, sacrifice your life and everything to go for it. I, I don't think so. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta go for it. You gotta work hard. You gotta be smart. I get all that, but I don't want to sacrifice my life for a job. Yeah. We need to make income and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not going to be irresponsible, but I'm not work is not my life. 
Well, yeah. the, the truth is, is that you, the four company really started with Gwinnett Church when you had already put in a lot of the work there, right? So, you, so there was some momentum there, and I, I you know, it was clear to me. I, I watched the 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 Gwinnett Church going away video that they did for you and your family, and I. I've never been to Gwinnett Church, um, and I've never heard you preach, and I'm not part of that community. And I almost got teary-eyed. It was so well done, and and it was just an it was just like, oh, this is a, a natural progression of the church actually being for you, and and I, I I appreciated that, and and thought that that was that was a beautiful thing. So I think with that probably comes a little bit more space than if if you were if you were kind of just you know cranking out an idea for the very first time as you started a business, right? I mean, does that make sense? It does. And again, you have to, True Kathy also taught me this, take advantage of unexpected opportunities. Sure. So when we launched Fort Gwinnett nine years ago, not in my wildest dreams did I think any church in the world would do this. That wasn't, it wasn't even part of the, my, that, that wasn't what I, I didn't even know people were paying, paying attention. And then one day I got a coffee mug in the mail um, that said for Toronto. And I thought, what in the world is this? And it was a note from a pastor saying, Hey, we're doing, we're a church plant. We're doing, and then I started getting t-shirts in the mail and then people asked me to come speak. And then that's when, that's when, and then Carrie Newhoff actually was the one that kind of pushed me over the edge with the book because he was in South Dakota speaking (laughs) and he sent me this picture and uh, it was, I can't remember the city in South Dakota, but it was four something. And, and Carrie said, all right, I've had it. I travel all over speaking. I see four everywhere, but you're not, people are just picking up the ideas on what you're posting on Instagram. You need a systematic um, explanation of what this is. So I'm challenging you to write a book in 60 days. I'm going to connect you with my agent. We'll make this happen. And uh, so that's, and then I had no idea that the book would lead to all of this. So, but I think you have to, you have to be, I think I, when it comes to ideas, I think you have to test them out mm. and ideas morph over, over time. But this one has, has pretty much stayed, stayed true. And then to be able to see us be able to communicate this to the business world has been, has been really, really, really great. And, uh, but yeah, I will say what, what you were saying about Gwinnett Church too. I mean, what they did was, was phenomenal, but, um, and this has probably nothing to do with what we're talking about, Tony, but, but in some ways it does. At some point we all finish. Yeah. I mean, at some point you will finish your role as a pastor there. Uh, there's no question. It's going to come to an end and you have to, we have to finish well. Um, you know, my story of finishing Gwinnett church, uh, USA today did not talk about it. I've not been on good morning America because it's a pretty boring story, right? Um, there was nobody stole any money. Nobody had an affair. Nobody did anything. Sure. Uh, who was just a pastor moving on? Oh, that's not, who, who wants to talk about that? But, you know, Kerry recently finished up his role at his church as well. And both he and I were talking. And we were like, we, we like boring, boring finishes in a sense. <laughs> um, but you finish well. Finishing well starts today. And as it starts, even if, you know, you're not going to leave your role for 10 more years, let's say you still finish well today. You begin to be emotionally healthy and you begin to plant the seeds because if you don't do that, you may finish well in a train wreck like many business leaders and certainly church leaders have done. And there's just way too much at stake on that. So when we walked away and said bye to Gwinnett Church, 
and they said bye to us. One of the things that I thought was really important for church leaders like you to see and for churches to see is that they should do this for pastors. They should honor pastors like this when they complete their season. And I heard a wave of feedback from pastors that said two things. Pastors who didn't get that kind of a send off, who said, who are friends of mine, I wish I had gotten that. It would have helped me bring closure to this season. Yeah. Um, and then I heard from pastors like you, like, wow, that was, that was very inspiring. So that was a way for the organization to show my family and me that uh, they were for me. And in these difficult, I mean, these are, you know, when you leave something like this, it's bittersweet. It's difficult right. because it's not like we were like, I'm tired of you people. I'm out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> we were like, we started this place and we started two churches and we love the people here. But now this season has come to an end. And, you know, not only did we leave our job, we left our church, um, yeah. community people. So it was a kind of a triple whammy. And October was, you know, just the grief of saying goodbye and bringing that to a close. But the good news for Wendy and me is that we have been through this before. We experienced the same thing when we left Chick-fil-A for Buckhead. We experienced the same thing from Buckhead to Gwinnett. This was probably a little bit more intense because our, our kids grew up and helped start the church here. So they have, we have a lot of memories with them here. So the grief is real and don't let, don't deny the grief, but at the same time, um, remind yourself of why you're starting this new journey. So for your listeners that are listening and they're thinking about a new journey, I would tell them to keep dreaming. Um, don't let it, especially if God's calling you to this and you go, well, I can't do it because it's a global pandemic. Then fear has become your God. I totally understand that. But fear is a terrible God. I love that. Um, I love that. And uh, I'm assuming you and Wendy found a new church home. Well, you know, with COVID right now, we're, we're online everywhere, right? <laughs> what we're, doing, we're doing something I call living room church. So we are, we um, are just watching church online. A couple of couples come over. We have brunch. That's great. They watch a little football and then they go home and, um, it's it's good. I'm really enjoying this this kind of <laughs> <laughs> pressure, you know. Uh, well, I, I, a year from now, um, what are we celebrating about the Four Company, and and how can my listeners be praying for what God is doing through the Four Company and what that looks like? Well, two things: one on the business side, and one on the church side. My hope is to reach ten thousand businesses. Um, between this time next, between now and this time next year, and that's either through um, speaking in person, speaking online. Obviously, I'm going to have to do that online to some extent. But I would love to create a movement of businesses that are genuinely for their customer, their team, their community, and for themselves. Um, and then on the church side, I don't have a numerical goal in terms of the number of churches. But I would love to see the four movement begin to spread in every community. I would love to have a church, at least one church in every community around the world that says what you're doing, that, that we're for Centerville or for our community. I love that. And the other uh, thing I, I would be, I want to be a pastor to pastors. And so sure. I want, I'm trying to create that right now that, you know, when I go speak or do something, um, I think the most important person that, that goes with me is Wendy. Because mm -hmm. we'll talk with the lead pastor's wife many times. And what people don't understand about church world is often the most, uh, the person that is forgotten the most is the spouse of the lead pastor. 
Um, elder boards miss this. They don't understand it. Church members miss this. They don't understand the weight and pressure that the spouse of a lead pastor carries. And so we, one of the things we want to do to be pastor, pastor to pastors is to really serve the spouses of lead pastors in particular. So that would be, those would be three things. And continue to get the message of the book out. I mean, my hope is that um, we eventually would wind up on the New York Times bestsellers list because this is the gospel message kind of gone underground a little bit. Uh, that's my favorite part about it. It's, 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 uh, it's transcendent without using any church words. Yeah. Well, and that's what's so fun. I mean, I'll go. I was, as I mentioned, I was in Tulsa a couple weeks ago speaking, and I'm doing the four talk, and it's there's not a Bible verse in this single talk, but because it's purely business, and I'm looking out in the crowd, and people have tears in their eyes, and they come up afterwards, and they said, you know, there's something that's there's something about this talk I can't quite figure it out, and I'm like, well, first of all, it's not me because I'm not that great of a communicator. It's really, it's really the Lord, and it's really the Lord taking these words and applying them to your heart. Because they'll say, I just knew that there was something bigger about my job than what I was doing. And now you've given me language to understand how I can genuinely be for people at my job. Mm -hmm. And I really want that for the business world. I want people to go to work every day to know this is a platform for me to be for people. Um, And that's the other thing I love what you're doing with Starbucks. Not only are you giving the, not only are you providing uh, that for message to the person through the drive through you're, you're encouraging the people at Starbucks yeah. yeah. because what a cool gift. I mean, we did this thing called pay it backwards at Gwinnett church. So you paid for the person behind you. And, um, but every time I did that, the barista at, at Starbucks goes, Hey, thanks for doing this. This made my day or thanks for doing this. This is so great. Thanks for doing it. It just puts a smile on their face. And so uh, I'm hoping Howard Schultz at Starbucks, here's what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, I yeah, I, I kindness spreads. It's just, um, it just kindness spreads, and it's a, it's a good message. Uh, I know my listeners are going to want to keep up with you and the Four Company. What's the, what's the best place on the interwebs to, to connect with you? I know the fourcompany.com is your website, but what about uh, where you're putting out content? Yeah, jeffhenderson.com might be the better one. We're kind of retooling Four Company, but um, and you, I've got free resources there. I'd love for them to buy the book. At the end of the book, you know, Tony, my my cell phone's in the back, and I would love for them to text me. And let's, I'm getting like a text a day now, and it's just so fun. People saying, because I've asked them, text me, if you will. I'll text you back, but let me know how I can help and what are you going to apply based on what you're hearing from the book. So I would love for them to get the book and read the book and then text me. And I, promise you I will text back. That's awesome. Um, okay. Last question I always love to ask people is an advice question about giving yourself one piece of advice. So if you could go back and talk to uh, Jeff Henderson uh, before you preach your very first four message at Gwinnett, you're, you're getting ready to step on the platform and share this message that God's laid on your heart. If you could go back and give that man one piece of advice, what would it be? Wow, that's great. That's a great question. Um, I would say to enjoy this journey and not let the pressure of it override the joy. Hmm. And because you know, you know how this is when you're starting something. I mean, we we started going at church in uh, a little Italian restaurant with a few people there, and we actually asked them to write checks. This is back in the you write checks days, and sure. Um, 
you know, you're like, is this going to work? And I have so many memories, but the, the pressure of, will we be able to pay for this? And building, you know, we built three buildings over these nine years, which for those of you that have built buildings, you know how wonderful and stressful that is. And so don't let the joy of the journey um, be taken away. And, just, and also realize you're making this up as you go along. So just learn and have fun and laugh a lot more. And um, so I think in those early days, I, and this is another reason why Wendy's such a gift to me. She's the fun Henderson. She'll make sure that I'm laughing along the way. Don't take yourself too seriously. And so I would, I would say that is enjoy this journey because it's going to go, it's going to go fast. That's beautiful. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today and for the work you're doing for churches and businesses. Uh, I just want to encourage everybody, make sure you pick up your copy of this book. It, uh, it will really open your eyes to a, a great strategy for life. So thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Tony. God bless. Like I said, that was an incredible conversation with Jeff. I'm so thankful for his generosity, for his time. I, I really love the way he talked about what it means to be for the customer, for the team, for the community, and for you. The sense of belonging and true strategy and success versus excellence. So many things out there that are worth writing down. So I, I hope this episode really, you know, stuck with you and made you think about what you're for, how you're going to live this out in the community. And, and ways to step out in faith uh, in what you're for. So uh, as always, best compliment you can give, leave a rating review on iTunes, share this episode with a friend, and make sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, we, are, we are inching our way towards 100, guys. I couldn't do it without you. I'm so thankful for this community. Uh, there's going to be some bonus episodes, some giveaways. Follow us on Instagram. Make sure to subscribe. Check us out, reclamationpodcast.com. We'll connect with you guys real soon.